Hello and welcome to episode 350 of the Comics Pals. And what better way to celebrate a half a milestone like that than by having one of the most prolific, one of the most brilliant writers, a winner of many awards, a writer of one of the most, writer and artist, excuse me, of one of the most anticipated books of the year, Clementine Book Two. We're talking to Tilly Walden. Tilly, thank you for joining us. Of course. Good to see you guys. Happy to be here. Yes, absolutely. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, huge shout out to Skybound mm -hmm. for facilitating this, uh, particularly Shannon. Um, thank Shannon's you for a trooper. That. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. she, she definitely is. And uh, just to give, I want to give the rundown. So you've done the end of summer, right? Ignat's award winner. I love this part. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love this part. Ignat's award winner. City Inside, Broken Frontier winner. Oh, did it? That's cool. <laughs> Spinning, <laughs> Eisner award winning. <laughs> On a Sunbeam, Los Angeles Times Book Prize. Are you listening? Eisner Award. When I say that, <laughs> how do you how do you feel about the fact that you have that kind of list of accolades already? I gotta write that down. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I I've made a lot of books in a really like fast succession, mm -hmm. but the like the hours that have gone into making those books make the time feel so much longer than it's been. So to me, like all of those awards, I'm like, well, that happened over 30 years, right? And it's like, no, wait, it didn't. It just felt like 30 years. Um, it's really cool. It's really special. I mean, I, I think that the sort of only way to make a career in comics is to just do a lot of things, um, try out uh, new kinds of types of storytelling, works with, work with publishers of different sizes, um, but it is it is surprising to think that I have received um, so much like validation about the work I've done because I, I don't think most people go into comics for validation. They tend to go into it because they're like an undying nerd or for some reason they really feel like they have to do this. It's like there are other ways to spend all the hours in the day other than drawing people in tiny boxes you know, over and over and over again. But for some reason, I really love doing it. And I really want to keep doing it. Well, it probably helps when you're this good at it. And, you know, people are enjoying it so much. Um, for, for my part, I can say that I, I think it's probably fair to say that um, the cross section between you and like sort of more mainstream comics is clementine absolutely and that's how i came to know you mm. and i love the fact and, I, and I'm, I'm excited to hear why you chose to do clementine because i love the fact that that crossover of tilly walden x the walking dead resulted in something that's so good but then also allowed us and this is a term that we love that uh I think it was Dennis Culver that used it to become the archaeologist and go backwards mm. and look at what you've done, you know. Um, totally. And I love that 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 
Clementine created that and facilitated that. So um, I agree. I think it's it's really special. Um, Clementine has reached so many people that like my little indie gay comics just kind of wouldn't find otherwise. And, and the comics community is, I don't think people understand how kind of segmented yeah. it can be like with taste and with certain publishers, even certain cities. Like there's so, um, it's sometimes so hard to unite people in comics. Um, but as far as to, that, that is part of the reason I feel like I agreed to do Clementine, which was, I felt like I could reach different people in a really different way also like the walking dead is just a gigantic property like like kirkman's universe is enormous everyone has heard of the walking dead so like it's the kind of thing that sounds really good to tell your mom to be like <laughs> mom i'm doing the walking dead and she's like i know what that is instead of being like mom i'm publishing a graphic novel with a niche publisher in britain and she's like what the okay that sounds nice what can i tell your grandma um but i think that the the like the real inspiration for working on clementine is um skybound and robert and everyone kind of reached out to me about this project um at a moment when i didn't have any books going on it was it was pandemic-y i'm pretty sure because i remember spending a lot of time inside when i got that email um and I've always felt like the one thing, I think the thing that I'm the most afraid of as a cartoonist is that I, I'll stop growing or I'll stop changing. And I, I think constantly about how every book is a chance to get just like a little bit better at doing this. And so I felt like I had done this like trio of books, spinning this graphic memoir, Sunbeam, gay sci-fi, are you listening, sad gay road trip. Um, and they had all, they all had a lot of really similar notes to it. And I felt like I was just kind of waiting to see what I could do next, where I could really try and challenge myself and do something really different. And it, it was like, it was cosmic because like, if you want to challenge yourself and do something different than like make a Walking Dead comic, it was, it was perfect for me because it's horror, which is something I've never really done before. It's, it's apocalyptic. Um, it's a big property. So that comes with like responsibilities, but like very interesting constraints to kind of work within the universe. Um, it just sounded like the perfect, the perfect challenge for me at the time. Um, I didn't really fully comprehend what I was saying yes to when they were like, do three books. I was like, three books, that sounds like nothing. And now here I am trying to work on book three. And I'm like, this is not nothing. Three books <laughs> is a lot. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of like, let's do this. Let's see if I can get better. Let's see what happens. And I also, I thought they were crazy for asking me. I was like, you really think I should do a Walking Dead book? It took so long for me to like the gears to turn in my mind to be like, wait, this is actually like a fascinating collaboration. Of course you want to ask someone who all, who doesn't have like the, um, like a natural instinct of like a walking dead style or a walking dead story. You want to ask someone who is kind of different from that and like mash it up. Um, so it was, I, I have become like, I was so thrilled once I like fully understood what they were asking me to do. And I was thrilled because they said I could do whatever I wanted. And it's, it's rare when you work with like bigger companies and big properties that you actually have creative freedom, but Robert is a chill guy. He's like, he's so down for me to, to just like tell fun stories 
was and there I go ahead Tyler was there any like I guess pressure going into it too because Walking Dead was I think outside of Robert Kirkman I think Brian K Vaughn wrote some spin-off stuff mm-hmm. for Panel Syndicate but outside of that like it's really only been Kirkman for the comic side of things I know it's also it's really only been men I'm the first yeah, woman exactly. to draw and write The Walking Dead um so I don't know if I felt pressure. I think I felt really excited that I was kind of cool. ushering in this new era um, for the property. I also, you know what? I didn't feel pressure because I didn't feel like I had to do what Robert had done. And I didn't feel like I had to draw the way Charlie Adler drew. And I I just felt like they've already done their job so well that clearly I shouldn't try and like copy that. I should just try and take it in a different direction Um, And it helps that Clementine as a character, for those who have played the games, like already from the, like right off the bat is the kind of character that I was, I was interested in writing. I mean, she's like a queer disabled teen. I was like, I've spent my career writing teenagers, especially sad teenagers. (laughs) This is, this is perfect for me. If I had been handed a character, if I'd been handed like a grisly leader of like a group making it work in like a violent city and might've been hard, but <laughs> Clementine really, really worked for me right off the bat. So uh, I have plenty of thoughts about Clementine before we dive in even deeper. I want to sneak the plugs in real fast. If you guys are enjoying this conversation, make sure that you are following the comics pals all over social media at the comics pals. This show is live every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Pals Pulls. That is our show where we review comics. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where you can support us and get some bang for your buck. We love to give you guys bang for your buck, as you know. Uh, You get access to our exclusive show, Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll, and you get a nickname and a shout-out on the show. So, really quick, thank you. Special shout out to the best pals in the universe, Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, and the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound. And of course, thank you to the Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight, Cosmic Avenger, and Super Shenran the Conqueror. Thank you all so much, you're beautiful people, and we love you. Okay, back to Tilly. Now, the great names. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, whenever someone uh, subscribes at a certain tier, we give them a, like a, 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 a totally. snazzy nickname. So um, it's fun. Yeah. Sean, uh, made, Sean made one of them a genocidal uh, planet killer last week. So, you know, it's cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ongoing, it's a, you know, it's the pals verse. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's an ongoing saga, you know, it's like, uh, like Marvel. Um, so, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about you doing a, a story inside the Walking Dead universe with Clementine is that you stepped into an established IP that has that's huge in three different mediums. I know. With you know these huge audiences that have different, like varying degrees of knowledge mm-hmm. about what is happening in the Walking Dead universe outside of what it is that they specifically look at. so that is that is a crazy tall order and given the fact that you've done your own thing all this time was it wild to be confronted by so many people 
who care so much about all this? It totally was. It was wild in like in like two respects. It was wild the scale of which like the amount of people who can like be excited and also be very upset. Um, and then on the other side of things, like not knowing who the person is who's going to pick up the book and read it. And like, did they even know what a walker is? Like, I, I can sort of guess that like most people have watched the pilot episode of The Walking Dead or something, but trying to find a way and also to balance out like all the people who have played the games. Like there are going to be people who understand the reference when I bring up Kenny, but there are going to be people who aren't going to understand that reference. And so I'm used to in storytelling, the idea that you have to spend a lot of time like setting things up and, and explaining things to your reader while also trying to not look like you're explaining things to your reader. It's supposed to look like a story is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was like, this was a really different, different challenge. And then as far as like the audiences, I'm really lucky in that I, I think because when I started Clementine, I was like six or seven graphic novels into this. Like I had been, I had been doing this for a while and when you're in comics for a while and when you're also like a woman or a queer person on the internet, you figure out pretty quickly, like you should have some boundaries. I mean, I, I still, it's been years since I've even looked at my notifications on any social media. I just post and I like, I don't read comments. Um, I don't read articles that are written about me. So to be fair, I was very poised um, to handle whatever the fans want to throw at me because to be honest, it's never actually reached me still to this day. <laughs> um, and I've been so lucky that like Skybound as a company um, and, and Robert too, like they've been, they've been around longer than I have and they kind of know what they're doing. So I really just sort of trusted them and let them lead the way when it comes to like the fan response um, and and they're the ones who do the hard work of like reading everything and thinking about it. And then they talk to me about it and I talk to them about it. Um, but I, I just sort of kept landing in this place where I was like, they asked me to do this book. I'm going to do it my way. Um, but I think it's for those who haven't played the walking dead video game, it's a really unique video game because you play as the character and you make choices and those choices influence how the game plays out it's it's very interactive um and it's a really special video game it's it's really really wonderful and you play as clementine and so i do also think that the switch from having like hundreds of thousands of people being clementine to only one person being clementine which is now me is intense it's mm -hmm. super super intense and it's super different um and the graphic novel medium is also night and day with video games I mean, graphic novels are like the contemplative little sister of a video game. And so I think all of that, like mixing together made for like a very complex situation. But I was still, I'm, I was still so excited and interested in the fact that the Walking Dead universe does exist in all these different mediums because I'm kind of like, we're just like turning this gem over and over looking at all these different sides mm. of the zombie apocalypse. And this is just kind of my little side of it. Um, and I don't know how to make a video game and I don't know how to make a TV show or do any of that. Comics is all I know. So I was like, I'm going to just focus on making like the best comic I can. I, I love that you, that you said like, it's, it's your little corner of the walking dead universe, because when I, when I started reading the book, mm. 
and and like I'm not the biggest Walking Dead fan on the planet Earth. I've read, you know, probably like half of the books and stuff, yeah. and I watched half of the show. Um, but I have a pretty clear picture of what it is. And one yeah. thing I didn't see much of was kids. Mm-hmm. And even when we saw kids, they were generally like younger. We didn't see like that many young adults. Yeah. And yet somehow reading the book, it never once crossed my mind that this was a young adult book mm-hmm. because everything in the Walking Dead universe is so bleak and so dark and so horrible. And I'm used to seeing these, you know, big, strong, you know, white dudes with muscles and guns. Hard yeah, weapons. exactly. Like, so I never thought about that fact mm-hmm. that it was this this young adult story. But then once I, I read that after the fact, it recontextualized the book for me. Mm. I'm like holy shit, you know, this is really screwed up. These kids have no sense of security whatsoever. No. Uh, no, no adults really in their lives, uh, at least not at the moment that we're in in the book. Um, and, you know, when you're a kid, your expectation is that adults are there to protect you. That's mm-hmm. kind of just how it is. If, you see an, if, you're, if you're nervous or scared, you see an adult you know, you ask for help or whatever. These kids can't even do that. You know, and Clementine, uh, early on in the book, they go to, to this town uh, where Amos is from, and she's not comfortable. Like, she's kind of like, eh, this is shifty. Yeah. Because there's no trust there, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and all these moments, it's heartbreaking to see that these kids are going through this. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting writing, <laughs> writing, like, a story in such a bleak world with teenage protagonists. Um, And what's so, I think the most heartbreaking part is like, they don't even remember that there used to be a time when you could like really rely on an adult. And Clementine's story is interesting because in the games, she has this sort of mentor father figure named Lee, who I'm not not gonna tell you what happens there. You can play the games and you can find out. And I promise it might not be okay. Um, But So she's like, and I think like a lot of these kids have had moments, fleeting moments of experiencing like what was once a family structure or like these, these ideas that like adults know more than you, adults take care of you. But in general, it's like their minds and their lives are like clean. They were wiped clean by the trauma of the walkers coming and literally killing everything and destroying everything. But I think that there is like kind of a hopeful spin you can pull out of all of this because I think that I wouldn't have wanted to work on these books if I felt like it was just going to be like teenagers facing endless tragedy. Everyone's just going to die. And, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to get to kiss your crush and it's just going to suck all the time. (laughs) Um, And it's, it is funny also thinking about a lot of media for teenagers where you know, they write about like high school in apocalyptic terms. So like it, there is a long legacy of, of teenagers experiencing like a lot of tragedy in stories because it's a really, really hard time. Um, but I think the positive spin is that all of these kids have such a like uniting force that, that connects them, which is that they all lost so much at the same exact moment in time, which is like, I guess you could call that trauma bonding, but I also think that it can create like a sense of friendship and community that isn't really possible right now with like young kids where 
I don't know. There's, it's just, it's, it's so unique. And I also, I love the idea of thinking about how like a younger generation in Kirkman's Walking Dead universe could recreate the world in like a wacky and much better way than it was before because they don't have the baggage of like what was a minimum wage job. They don't even know what the word <laughs> minimum is. They, yeah, right. def- they don't know what the word wage is. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's cool. I, I, I try to balance like a little bit of optimism with all the, all the darkness. And yeah, in having, you know, I also read a pretty decent amount of the walking dead. Yeah. All the, the children of that really, we never get their POV. They're, they're yeah. almost more of a, 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 a plot point for the main characters. It's like, all right, this like Carl is Rick's thing that he protects mm-hmm. really. Um, totally. So seeing, even early on in Clementine, seeing kids kind of being kids for a little bit, it's just like almost mind boggling. Like, oh wait, they can do that. Even though it's the apocalypse, that's still a possibility, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I also think like most kids would be totally like, would not have like a Rick around. Sure. Like I think that I love that the like kind of main walking dead story does sort of deal with like a family structure and these community structures, but based on the rate at which people die and how difficult it is to actually keep a biting person, dead thing away from you. I've thought about it. It sounds really hard. I'd be gone like this. Oh, same. Um, yeah. I think there would be just like a lot of roving children and a lot of people who are solo, a lot of people who like maybe only link up with one or two other people because the like the trust, like you were saying, Sean, and like the fabric of society is just disintegrated. Unless you're Amish, because in the book they're doing fine. Yeah, Amish. they got it. They got it. I was they're like, good. Wow. they were ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I but I love the fact that you know the young people in this book are so resilient. Mm. You really tapped into the fact that, and I think this is probably just generally true, and it's something that I got out of spinning as well. That you know, young people, teenagers, they go through a lot. And some of that stuff they might go through privately. Some of that stuff is stuff that's done to them that they don't feel like they can speak about, but they don't necessarily fall apart. These characters don't fall apart. They're, they're strong-willed and, and they're not willing to say die, regardless of what they've been through. And I, I did love that because I think that speaks to the strength of teenagers and young people and the strength of humanity, really. Thank you. Yeah, I I really kind of wanted to flip the script on what like it's such it's such a like 2005 phrase to even say, but like what a badass female character can be. <laughs> because um even though I love the video games, I feel like Clementine's strength in them is entirely about like surviving really deadly situations. Um I mean at one point she like jumps off of like a burning boat to like save AJ and there's there's a sense that like what makes her so strong is her just like sort of badass ability to to survive crazy situations but I think that what I wanted to do with her and what I think would happen as you become like an older teen like it it really is a different experience being 16 versus 13 versus 11 um, is I wanted her strength to be internal I, I knew that she would still find herself in situations where she would need to be like a badass and kill a zombie in a cool way. But ultimately I wanted I wanted her strength to be one that is like, she's willing to start to open up. She's willing to start to admit what's gone wrong in her life, what's broken her, 
um, just like a really different kind of, of strength, because I think that that's honestly harder to do than like cool spin move to kill zombie. It's like, no, what's really hard is opening up about the fact that like, you don't even remember what your parents' faces looked like. Um, so, but that's, but that's also, it makes sense that I would want to do that because that's how I've approached all my books, which is quite an emphasis on the internal. Um, yeah. And, and also, you know, when you're, when you're making a video game in which a, a player has to, you know, interact with the world and play that world, you do have to recalibrate to some degree what gets prioritized uh, totally. as far as the narrative, whereas oh, you get yeah. to dig in deep. Yeah, the video game's fun. Like, it's really fun to, like, be in these harrowing situations again and again. Um, and the video, what's great about the video game and what's great about The Walking Dead universe, I'm saying it's great. I don't know if this is actually great, but it's that, like, <laughs> often the consequences are real. Like, yeah. your beloved character's really have the potential to die there is no there is no true safety in this property it's it's not gene gray that comes back a couple times you know like they're, they're dead well they're dead but they might not be dead. Buffy. Well, yeah didn't buffy die a few times oh yeah. yes yeah. she sure did and i cried every single time <laughs> oh me too um you um, also I, go ahead tyler yeah i had a, a question with with clementine um and walking dead uh it's in black and white um and traditionally your previous works have, have been in color, but um, like I, I know a junior high colors used to delineate Tegan and Sarah. Um, and then uh, on spinning, you know, there's a couple different colors there to kind of add depth to it. Was there any challenge getting into that black and white sort of thing? Honestly, no, because I have been dying to do a black and white book for years, but every time I ask, publishers say no. Um, <laughs> spinning was originally black and white. Um, I would be, I would have made so many black and white books at this point if, if <laughs> publishers would let me, um, because especially when you work in kind of a young adult ish space, I don't know why they think this, but they really think that like kids only respond to something that has some color to it. I, I don't get it. I'm like, look at the entire manga industry. Clearly you're all wrong because <laughs> black and white comics are incredible mm -hmm. and black and white comics were my first love because I first fell in love with comics through manga. Um, and if it was up to me, probably every book I would make going forward would be black and white. Um, but so the this property and this, this opportunity gave me the chance to do a black and white book, which I was so excited about. I got to really lean on like the inky qualities. Um, and I was very lucky. I didn't do the tones in the book um, because there was zero minutes left for me to do <laughs> gray tones. Um, so Cliff Rathburn did them and he's the one who did the gray tones on all the other Walking Dead books. And he also lives in Vermont, which is oh, nice. so weird and random that Cliff wow. is like not, Cliff's like over there. Um, and he's also crazy fast. So I'm very lucky because I got to do what I wanted to do, which is to just ink my book with my pens and let it be black and white. And then Cliff got to do his thing where he's just like, let me create a sense of, of like actual like sun rising and sun setting. And I was like, great, I can't do that. You do it. Walking dead creators living in the, in the, in the woods kind of tracks. So I know it yeah. kind of makes sense. When I learned that Cliff, Cliff was nearby, I was like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> makes sense. Um, that's so interesting that the publishers want the color. And I think in uh, spinning, you 
actually use that to your advantage. You start to sort of incorporate the a really stark contrast of yellow in a lot of moments. Like how, how do you, in that case, how do you think about contextualizing the use of color in your books in the sense that they help to accentuate moments in spinning, but at large, then how do you consider the usage of color in your books? That's a really interesting question. I think I, I still, I will always sort of approach color as a like a black and white artist mm -hmm. because I some I think especially for folks who work digitally and I don't work digitally, um, it's so easy to have color be a part of the process from the get go that you're practically like the lines are like and the shapes everything is in color so immediately. But for me, everything about my understanding of comics comes from how I think about like spot black and line um, and and ink and how like the contrast of white and black on the page create creates variation, creates texture. And so I think when I think about color, I think about it as very spare. I think about it as using it, like you said, for contrast, which is totally just an ink thing in my head. I'm just switching out black and white for like white and yellow. Mm. Um, and I really struggle to do full color comics when I've had to do them. Like On a Sunbeam and Are You Listening are two of my books that are in full color. And I think the way I've I've done even some of them is where I'll sometimes color it in grayscale and then I'll change it into color in Photoshop. And then from there start to like add in more colors. But I my instincts are just so not colorful. It's really like I can think in terms of tone and variation, but it's really hard for me to engage with a big palette. Mm -hmm. And ideally when I'm working with color, I'm working with two colors because that's like, it, it's just a relationship between the two of them. And I love thinking about that. Um, and I love thinking about taking colors away and bringing them back at like really significant moments. It's like, it's a trick, but it works every time. Um, and so I think that when I've colored full, books um with like a big palette it has been like a gritted teeth situation where I'm I feel like I'm guessing I'm just like I'm gonna put orange here and I don't know why and I'm gonna put pink here and I don't know why and it, it took me years to even learn what like layers were um on a sunbeam was colored all just with the paint bucket tool directly onto the inks, which is not how you're supposed to color that's not what you're supposed to do <laughs> no one told me but it's okay um, when I was doing, are you listening? I like, I was clicking through the options on Photoshop and I saw the word overlay and I was like, what the hell is an overlay? And that's when I started to just like mess around, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, which is funny because a lot of people tell me they really like how I color. And I'm like, I don't know where, I don't know why you think that, but thank you so much. And you said something interesting on, um, how, using it in, in these sparse moments uh, to help accentuate something. Uh, that was the first thing that I noticed in spinning. And I feel like in, in a number of your books, you start to sort of do different things with your art. Um, one of my favorites, The End of Summer, I feel like you make use of a lot of space and yeah. the sort of like architecture design that you have. Um, but in, and Tyler has an image up um, where you just see three tones. How do you feel, uh, about when it is necessary to use that extra color to accentuate a moment? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's like there's sort of two modes and one is like, one is impressive and one is lazy. Because sometimes 
you get to an emotional moment in a book and you know it's emotional because of what's happening, but you're too lazy to actually draw anything. And that's when I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the special color here because I think it's gonna hide the fact that I really didn't wanna finish this drawing. That's the lazy version, but the more impressive version is um, really like you, you really have to learn to hold yourself back because if you ask most cartoonists, like pretty much every moment in their book is special or like the special moments are like all over the place. And what I've challenged myself to do is be really careful about what I consider important um, in a story. And, and, and to remember too, that like, you can't ever in comics ever rely on just one element to like make something matter. I can't ever just lean on like a little bit of yellow to make this moment significant. Like a significant mm. moment is earned through like, you've been writing to get to this moment. You've been drawing to get to this moment. Like the lines, the figures, the composition, everything else still has to be working hard for you. So I think of the color as like this, this like delicious cherry on top, but it doesn't work if the composition is bad. Um, like I still have to make sure that like the groundwork to my comic is still there. And I think that's what um, bums me out sometimes about like so much digital artwork, even though there is so much beautiful digital artwork out there is I think it's harder to separate out the concepts of comics because you're doing it kind of all at once and it's so easy to kind of go back in time and go forward in time but when I draw on paper and I draw in pencil and then I draw it in ink I I am so faced by the fact of like a bad composition or a good composition or a composition that I'm not sure of because it's just like there's no once I design where the character is going to be where the speech bubble is going to be and how it's going to look it's like, I, I can't undo it, but also I, I can just, I don't know, I can see it so, so clearly. Um, I think I, I have such a, I, yeah, I have a really mixed relationship with like all the different mediums and all the different opportunities now, because it's really, it's really hard to make something look good on paper, but I think that, that that's really good. And I'm really glad that it's, I had to learn to make something look good without, knowing what an overlay layer was. No, now I know though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I also, I teach comics. So I think, I think about this all the time, especially in terms of like, how can I help my students make their comics wonderful? Because all of them have it in them. It's just like, where do you take the time? And like, where do you put your energy? And I really do think that a lot of it comes down to like, every little piece of the process has to have some of your energy. And that's really annoying. Um, but like, it can't just be coloring and it can't just be character design. Every part matters. Even speech bubbles matter. I still hand letter my books because I still think it looks better. <laughs> I totally agree with that. The, the, with traditional art, there, I feel there's more intention, you know, because you don't have that easy, you know, control Z to, to just undo yeah. something real quick. Um, so I, I, I can seeing traditional art and seeing each individual like stroke, it's like, oh, I can see the thought behind there each time. I also think that traditional art can sometimes give you more confidence because every time that I've worked digitally, because it's so easy to second guess myself, I do second guess myself. Like, obviously I'm going to change the size of this character 50 times because 
what if it would be better this way? Um, and I love that traditional art at a certain point, like you're out of time. Like you can't erase, if you erase this again, the paper's gonna be all fucked up. You don't have any more paper. What are you gonna do? Like the, the limitations are, are profoundly helpful. Um, and I think like perfectionism in, in any creative pursuit is just so hard to deal with. Um, it's so hard to accept that like not every drawing in your book is gonna look really good, but I've definitely gotten to that point where I'm like, yeah, every drawing is not gonna look really good. And that is totally fine with me because it's a graphic novel. It's not a painting. It, it couldn't be more different. It's not about the individual images. You just gotta, you gotta let it go that some people's heads are gonna be too small. Some backgrounds aren't gonna make any sense. Um, and your characters are gonna look a little different at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book because you get better halfway through. And there's there's a sense of permanence to it, and 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 yeah. I think that permanence feels it's like oh a person made this, you know, a human made this. And, yeah. I think the fact and, that, and to yeah. be fair, like humans make digital art too, sure. and I yeah. I know so many folks who really digital art can be really accessible too. Like it it's 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 created a really incredible avenue for people to get started and and to make art. And I know some people who like the way I think in black and white, like I have friends who I swear to God, they think in layers, like they think in shapes, like that is how they process making art. Um, mm. I just, and I wonder if I had, if I had started out on different kinds of comics, if I would be a really different creator right now, but I think I'm very defined by having started out on manga. What manga in particular, if you can find um, I read a lot of shonen manga um, okay. because, because I'm a lesbian. And I was like, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna read about all these crazy little boys. Um, I think so. One of the first I read was Yu Yu Hakusho, um, oh, so which good. of course led me to Hunter Hunter, which I always call Hunter X Hunter, even though it's Hunter Hunter. Um, I only just learned that recently, so yeah. I know I don't even know what to say, man. It's like I was eight when I was reading it. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna pronounce the X. Um, but so Yoshihiro Togashi is a huge influence on me, and what a chaotic dude, and what chaotic stories. But also Dragon Ball. I mean, I, I love Naruto too. Um, I read a little bit of Inuyasha and Rumiko Takahashi, like kind of Ranma one half, which was a little more geared mm -hmm. towards girls. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't love it. I was kind of like, why does this person have ears and a tail? I I want to go back to the ninjas. <laughs> Take me back there. Um, and then a lot of Tezuka, a lot of like Buddha, Astro Boy, all his really weird stuff. Ode to Kirihito, MW. Dude wrote some dark, dark books. And it wasn't until I was older, I was like, huh, in almost every one of these books, a woman gets beat up. I wonder why. Oh, but no. I loved I loved his art. Um, and I, I still have so much nostalgia for just like, I mean, the first time you read Dragon Ball and then you get to Dragon Ball Z, you're just like, it's mind blowing. Mm. Progression as well of just like the the art itself. It's so so good. Oh yeah, and I was like, there's no way they can make an enemy even bigger than the last. And it's like it's manga. They're gonna try. <laughs> it, Enemy's gonna get more powerful somehow. And a lot of the manga is, is a singular vision too. You know that you know it's the person doing everything really. Um, and under and... such strain, sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm tired, I'm like, this could be worse. <laughs> be a lot worse. There's Ball, like a yeah. documentary about Osamu Tezuka, and they're like, they're they put a video camera in his studio. It's on YouTube, um, and he looks into the camera and he's like, I "Have to draw 24 pages tonight." 
And I was like, all right, I'm no, that's, I can't believe it. I like, I throw a fit when I have to draw six pages in one day, but 24 pages in one night, I can't, I just can't believe it. Yeah. That, that's basically just wild. I know. I know when he died really young and we kind of know why. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunately a pattern. Uh, I know. Opinion. I know. In, um, in, in Clementine, you, uh, at the back mentioned sort of the, the tools that you use to create. Um, it was interesting that you mentioned that uh, you only sort of, it, uh, I guess, later on started to use Photoshop and, and programs, but here you have it uh, penciling with Procreate as opposed to penciling physically. Is there a difference for you in terms of how you want something, how the end product comes out? Or is it sort of like a, a, a it is more convenient and maybe a bit, a bit easier to, to work in that? Yeah, I wonder, this was my first time with Clementine penciling digitally. Um, I got my wife an iPad for for her birthday, I think. And I just kind of took it. So, sorry, honey. <laughs> this is my iPad yeah. now. Um, part of the problem was they wanted Clementine to come out pretty soon. And they wanted, and they still want a book out each year. Um, and we've managed to do that for books one and two. We'll see about book three. Um, and... So my initial reaction was like, I have to find a way to draft this book out faster. And I sort of suspected that if I tried to do it on the iPad, it would be faster because part of the problem with my process, not a problem, but just one of the, one of the quirks of my process is that I don't write scripts and I do just draw the book. The first thing I do is I sit down with page one and I just draw the book. I make an outline, but then I ignore the outline. So <laughs> I, I make a lot of drafts of each book. And what I've done before Clementine is I've just physically penciled each book multiple times because I pencil it once, the editor tears it apart, and then I just draw it again, um, which really helps me like find what the story is going to be. Um, it takes forever. It's not smart. I, but I, I don't know why I do it this way. I just sort of do it this way. And I, so I knew that with Clementine, I was going to end up penciling the book multiple times. And with the timeline they gave me, I was like, let's see what happens. If I can, I want, I specifically wanted to see if I could edit the book faster and I could edit the book faster because it turns out when you pencil a book digitally and your editor tells you that half the page needs to be like flipped you just like move it in Procreate. It was unbelievable. I was like, I didn't erase the whole page. I didn't have to get a new piece of paper. Um, and so that that was a good that was a good streamlined process. And I I enjoyed it because also then I could sit on my couch while I penciled and not at my desk. And that was awesome. I just watched TV. Um, and I but I don't think it, it changed the inking and the final art process because I still printed out I printed out the pencils as blue lines on paper. And I did what I always do when I ink, which is I ignore the pencils. So when I've penciled <laughs> traditionally, and then when I have blue lines, they're just different. Like I just, I look at what my guideline is and I'm like, no, I can do better than that. And I just draw something different. <laughs> so it's really funny looking at the originals for Clementine. Cause you can see like a blue Clementine over here, but ink Clementine is over here. Like there's no, there's no overlap. So even though I worked digitally for the pencils, the fact that my inks were still kind of, I was making it up as I was going along, um, that that part of my process stayed true. I love that though. It, it, even from from uh, conception to through the end, you're just kind of continually 
making it a bit more freeform. Uh, I love that. Like you have you have the the outline. You have sort of the guides. Yeah. But you're not restrained to those things. No, I love to have something on the piece of paper because it makes me feel like I know what I'm doing. And then I love to change it and like mm. completely sort of restart it. And I think it threw my editor a little bit to be like, <laughs> why do the inks look so different from the pencils? But I was like, this is this is just how it goes. And the same thing happened with book two, but he was like, he, I was, get it. he knew, yeah. He was yeah. like, all right, all right. But then with book two, he was like, can we not pencil this book out multiple times? Could you just like figure out the story? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll figure out the story. <laughs> I drew book two, three times in the pencil stage. So now he asked if we could avoid doing this for book three, we'll see. Probably. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Promise. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write a story. It's fine. I know just, how to do that. Everyone say, knows how to do that. Yeah, just say that you got you got material for the back matter of the of the book. You know. Uh-huh. I know. Sometimes I'm like, I have all these other versions of the book just kind of like sitting around, and it's sort of funny to look at them. That's um, wild. Yeah, and pretty different stuff happens in each version. That's like different ask, characters yeah. die, and like different. It's it's different, but. That's also because I take edits too far. If my editor is like, this scene isn't really working, could you just like think about the dialogue? I'm like, I'm cutting the characters, I'm cutting the locate, everything's different now. You told me it was wrong, I'm gonna change everything. And he's always like, no, 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 don't change everything, don't change everything. You could do like, you know how the Telltale series is like choose your own adventure almost? Yes. You could do that with the, with, the, with the comic. You absolutely could, you absolutely could. <laughs> I, I wanted to make one more remark about Clementine and then mm. I want to shift over to spinning because I love that book. Um, there's a moment in Clementine where Rika, is that? Rika. Rika, she, she asked Clem if Lee ever hurt her. Mm-hmm. And Clem says, never. And I really, really love that moment. And we get the flashbacks to Lee and stuff like that. And I didn't play the game. So I have no oh, idea really? who Lee is. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. But... I got the the idea from the from the book that he was kind of a, a protector of her and they were together at some point um, and he was helping her. And that moment for me was so huge because that moment was, hey, people can still be good. Hmm. And there's a reason to be hopeful that this girl, she was just a girl and she had this man who helped her and he never heard her. Yeah. It's so... I mean, now I you gotta play the games. You gotta you gotta right. know leap. But um, yeah, I think it's those kind of people really stand out in the Walking Dead universe, and that's true for these books, but also true for like the shows um, and and everything. Where like, God, you meet someone with a good heart who like is gonna try their best to never betray you or do anything wrong. What's funny about the Walking Dead is that like you're always going to try and find situations that challenge a character. So you're going to want to find situations where like, Oh no, you have to make a choice where you like maybe have to do something wrong, even though you don't want to. Um, But yeah, I think especially in a story about like a vulnerable child, it's really easy to lean into just like everyone has hurt you. But Clementine, I think she gets a lot of strength from the fact that she met Lee like day three of the zombie apocalypse, like very early on. Um, And he always 
was a good person towards her and always took care of her. And I think that a lot of people actually have those instincts. I have those instincts. If I saw a little girl, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to take care of you now, I guess. I guess you're my daughter. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's a great moment. So yeah, I mean, I, I love Clementine. I can't wait for the next one. Uh, I think that's going to be incredible. Is there anything that you can tease us with at all? About book two? Yeah. Mm, so it, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. And I've said this about the series before in, in other places that every book takes place um, somewhere different. So book two is not in Vermont. Um, I won't tell you where it is, but it's going to be Clementine and and her little trio uh, are going to interact with a lot more people this time. They're going to face like a really different kind of challenge. And I really think Clementine is at the next stage in her journey where I, I do think book one is about her opening up. And then book two is about the consequences of opening up. Hmm. I keep forgetting book two isn't even out yet. I'm like, where is it? Why isn't it out? <laughs> October 4th. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's being printed right now. I do know that. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, well, maybe, you know, I don't know how much fun it is to watch. <laughs> yeah, fun, <Yeah>. sure. Fun, <laughs> violence, danger, trauma. They'll be out right but, around near Comic-Con too. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so spinning. Mm -hmm. I, I read spinning in one night. Oh my God. Wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. You broke my heart. <laughs> oh, oh no. Um, in, in a great way, in, yeah. in the sense of like, you know, it, it's such a phenomenal book. I, I don't, I don't tend to read, um, comics that are like this. Most of the comics mm -hmm. that I read are superhero comics. Got and it. if they're not that they're still, you know, image or something like that. So yeah. to read a book that's, you know, autobiographical, um, that's done all by one person, mm -hmm. uh, those are not typically the kinds of things that are in my wheelhouse. But what is in yeah. my wheelhouse is stories that are authentic, stories mm. that are real, have depth, have stakes. And yeah. the fact that you established all those things when you were talking about your own life, I think, first of all, I think that's cool as fuck. That you were able to, like, <laughs> contextualize your life in a narrative way. I was like, could I do that? Like, is my it's life hard. interesting? And I'm like, I guess I could, yeah. but it's, but it is, I can imagine that it is hard. Yeah. Um, and then also being that vulnerable. Yeah. I was thinking about how to talk about this book and I'm like, well, will there be things you won't want to talk about? Like you wrote it, it's your life, but like, yeah. you know, it, and so, um, oftentimes in the book, you mentioned that you would not tell people mm. about the things that happened to you. Mm -hmm. Like you would hold it all in. And for people, for people who, who don't know spinning, uh, it's a, it's a book about Tilly's, life as a young person particularly from the lens of her being in figure skating yeah. uh, ice skating i guess I, I don't know what the figure is. skating ice skating all the same thing cool um and uh you know it's it's about love loss heartbreak the things that you go through as a young person and kind of figuring out who you are and so you talk about how you don't tell people in your life at that time what happened mm -hmm. and i was curious were there people close to you when this when spinning came out that were like tilly that happened oh yeah all over the place people and people were also just like why didn't you say something and even I as 
as an adult, I'm also like, why didn't I say something like, but it's, it's so hard. And it, it took a lot of work to remember exactly how it felt to be like 12 years old. And it's like, it is, it is like your mouth literally just will not open. I mean, I still remember my mom just asking me like, how was skating? How was school? And there was, I don't think there was anything she could have said that would have like pulled it out of me. And I think a lot of kids can relate to that experience of just like, I don't know, I for some kids it's instinct, for some kids it's sort of like built into them by their family culture. Um, but it was so, it was impossible for me to talk about my experiences growing up. And I thought childhood for everyone was just like a miserable experience. And then I like met other people as a young adult and they were like, I liked high school. I, lo I loved my extracurricular activities. And I'm like, what the, what was that like? And you're like, and you like your parents? Like all of this is just fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, working on the book felt like sort of it, uh, another like kind of cheesy metaphor, like kind of like a waterfall or like just sort of unlocking something and letting it all out. And I did spinning when I was young. I was 19 when I, when I made spinning. And so I actually think that that was perfect because when you're 19, you have no sense of consequences. <laughs> you have no sense of responsibility. All I could feel was that like, why do I feel like my entire life has been this tense nightmare? And I like, I, I, was, I was at comic school um, when I was 18, 19, 20, having an incredible time. I was in Vermont at the Center for Cartoon Studies and I was so happy that I was like, why am I so happy now? And why was I so unhappy before? And the 19 year old in me was just like, let's just make a comic about it. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know if the comic's gonna be any good. And I also knew very clearly that I had not processed any of this. <laughs> and that in 10 years, I might have a much more nuanced and different approach to talking about my childhood. But I was like, I think what I wanna do though is tell a book from the perspective of someone who is still so raw and so not nuanced. I was just like, this shit sucked and I wanna write a book about it. Um, and I'm so glad I did it that way because I just like, the book just, just happened. And I was very lucky in that like the consequences of the book were ultimately very positive. Um, I had a lot of people in my life who did not know almost everything that happened in that book um, it was hard for my parents to read, super hard for them to read, super hard for all sorts of family members to take in. But I realized like, I have like a limited amount of time with my family. I, I think about that all the time. Um, my parents are, are much older than, than most parents because they, my parents sort of had a family in a different kind of way involving like adoption and surrogacy and all this stuff. Um, so I was like, I have this limited amount of time with my parents left. I don't want to spend it lying to them. Even if it destroys our relationship, it's like, I got to be honest with them. That was not a fun childhood. You know, two stars out of 10, did not enjoy. Um, and as soon as I talked to them about it, they were like, oh my God, really? Like they were so, they were apologetic, but they were also like so open to restarting our relationship where we tell each other everything now. And I tell them everything now and they tell me everything. And it's night and day. It's really like, and the book totally opened it up for us. Um, 
I mean, I wouldn't recommend to everyone. Like you want to like, you want to throw a bomb into your family and really try and break down those walls, do a memoir. Um, that is not for everyone, but it just so happens that for me, the most, the best way for me to talk about my life was through a comic and it's, I don't know. It just like it all, it really, it really, really worked out. And I'm really proud of that book. Um, it was hard. It was obviously hard to make. Um, and there's so much still that isn't in it. There's still so much about ice skating, so much about my life that I either didn't have room for, or I was too scared to put in at the time. Um, so I am curious if I'll ever make a memoir again. I don't have that instinct right now to do it. I'm, I'm really grooving on zombies and fiction and Tegan and Sarah. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I think there is, there's something great about making a book before you're ready to, to make it, as long as it doesn't totally mess you up. Um, and it didn't totally mess me up because I was like a happy kid at comic school. So I was in a really, a really like stable place when I worked on it. That push and pull of like what you decide to share and what you don't. Mm. It's got to be like, a, therapeutic in a way, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but also be like, that's got to be rough, you know? It's weird. I mean, it's weird to talk to people about spinning where they're like, oh, my God. And then the like the sexual trauma. And I was like, what sexual trauma? Like I put in like I sprinkled in the like the easy one. And it's like they don't know that. And they don't know like so much more about my relationship with my parents. People don't know that my mom isn't my biological mother. Like there's there's and but that's what's funny about books and memoir is like. You just can't, you just can't tell them everything. And you have to trust that like, you're not telling this story so people know who you are, not really. Like the people, the physical people in your life need to know who you are, but your readers don't need to know who you are. You're just telling this story so they can connect their own life to it and their own experiences to it. So like a book is the wrong path to be like fully seen, go like, talk to your partner and get some therapy if you want to be fully seen. <laughs> Don't do it with a comic. Because again, like that book is 400 pages. It's so long, but scratch the surface really in so many ways to like all the, all the aspects of my life. And then I meet people and from their perspective, like, they know my life story and I, and I don't, I don't need to correct them because it's also like from your perspective, that's true. Yeah. From my perspective, no, not really. Because it also needs to serve a narrative, narrative sense, you know? So, exactly. Yeah. And the only way to turn your life into a narrative is to have a really good editor because mm -hmm. you can't. Um, when my editor was like, we got to cut this, we got to cut this scene. I was like, how dare you? This is my life. <laughs> I will not cut this scene. And she was like, you're going to cut this scene. This is, this doesn't make any sense. So like you were saying, Sean, I think that if you, you could totally do this just like me. You also need a good editor. Like you just need someone who is going to look at it from a story perspective. And, and there, I think for some people, maybe it might be hard for them to take in the idea that like there are scenes in spinning where chronologically they happened in like the opposite order, but like I had to move things around in order for it to make sense in the narrative. And to me, that didn't feel dishonest because I was like, everything in that book actually happened. All the feelings, all the memories are as authentic as I could make them. But I didn't mind sort of manipulating and moving things around um, for the sake of a narrative because it's, yeah, it's a book. And, and the only way for someone to tap into what I felt 
is if it feels like a story. So to get to the honest feelings, you have to like kind of make yourself into a character. And I think that's hard for people, but I didn't find it that hard. Um, well, no, maybe I did find it hard because I felt so personally attacked when my editor tried to cut things or <laughs> suggest that I, you know, think about this or think about that. But I learned and, and I really trusted my editor. She was wonderful. Is, is the, the pain of your youth something that's still close to you? No, hmm. no, it's pretty weird. I don't, I think about it every now and then. Um, I'm, I'm pregnant right now. And congratulations. Thank you. We'll be meeting this, this little guy in a couple months, two months, wow. two and a half wow. months. Jesus. I don't know. We're not even <laughs> going to think about it. Um, and so as I think about becoming a parent, um, it comes up more. And my wife had a, a really happy childhood. Um, and so, especially when I talk with her, I do sometimes the pain comes up again because I'm like, God, what did that feel like? What did it feel like to come home and, and feel safe? What did it feel like to be able to talk to your parents? Um, but I mean, adulthood has been awesome. Like I have had such a good time. Everyone always told me like, oh, being an adult is hard. It is hard doing your taxes, really annoying. Don't like doing it. Especially as a creative, but, yeah. <laughs> like the autonomy of like, I have my own house. I have a job that I love to do. I make comics all day. Like the, a lot of the pain has been erased by how wonderful life has been since. And like being, living with someone I love, I get to have a baby. I've always wanted a baby. This is so exciting. I got a crib in the other room. I can't wait to put the little guy in the little crib. Then <laughs> he's going to be like, no, 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 I'll take you out of the crib. Um, so yeah, the pain, the pain isn't that close anymore, which is really nice. I'm happy for you. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's good. And it's funny when people read Spinning too, I think they then expect to meet me and I'm going to be like somber and like, oh, God, <laughs> so dark, so hard. But no, God, everything's so much better now. I don't have to ice skate. No one's making me ice skate. <laughs> I have to be coaches. I mean, I have publishers, but yeah. I can push back on whatever I want to push back on. Well, I, I, I thought that um, there was an aspect of like a hopefulness in mm. the book too, um, because I thought a lot of it was about you finding your your voice and your autonomy to be able oh. to say, I need to stop doing this. Like and, and that and you framed it that way too. And I thought that that was really smart. Um, where you took over control of your life by saying, I'm not I'm not spinning anymore. I'm not gonna ice skate. I'm gonna go do comics and have a great time and you know, fall in love and like live my life. And I think it's cool that you know, the ending of spinning, I mean, it's, it's not over because it's your life, right? But like, it is a happy ending because Definitely. you're here now. You know, I think that's pretty right. cool. I think it's cool too. And I think that it's great that your your childhood will end. And like some people, for, for some people, that's a really sad moment. But for a lot of other people, it's it's a huge gift to be like, and now it's, you get to make these decisions. Um, you have to pay your bills, which sucks, but, <laughs> but you get to decide what state you're in, where you pay your bills, what apartment you're in. And if there's a cat with you, we were all talking about our cats before, before this started, but yeah, he's asleep somewhere else. I, I'm a lot of cat, cat people energy in this room. Yeah. yeah. I'm a dog guy. I was going to guess. I was like, I bet Sean's different. <laughs> yeah, Sean, you just yeah. don't know yet. Oh, oh, wait, no, you're deathly allergic. You do know it. Yeah. 
Oh, you're definitely allergic. Okay. I'm, well, I'm allergic to dogs too, but my love for dogs is so great that I'll <laughs> oh, suffer. I'm allergic okay. to cats, but I have to. So. Yeah. Well, your cats are also menaces. You you should see some of the 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 scars this man has from his cats. I look On like Tyler? a cool. I look yeah. like a cool manga character, you know? Like I got like cool like X X mark scars. Not on my face. I do have a I have, I have a scar on my face from a dog. Never mind. Never mind. We don't need to get into this. Me and animals. Anyway. Um, yeah, so spinning was absolutely incredible. I think <laughs> um everyone should read it because what it did for me was like, yeah, it, it, it let me know an aspect of who you are, but like you said, it's it's impossible. Even if you even if we sat here for three hours, you wouldn't be able to tell me everything of your life, right? So there's always an aspect of, of others that you will never be able to fully connect to. But you also mentioned it's not really about that. It's about allowing a bridge for the individual reader to connect to themselves. Yeah. And there were certainly moments in the book that I was like, wow, I remember when I couldn't speak. Mm. You know, I remember when I couldn't say it. And I had to sit with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's as hard as it is for any person to sit with that, um, whatever that is in your life, the thing that you couldn't say when you were a kid, or maybe you can't even say now. Um, one of the things that I appreciate so much about art, and it made me think maybe I should be reading more books like this, is that it does help you connect with yourself. Mm. Um, and I appreciated that a lot. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 the power of of this medium and i also think that there is just something really beautifully satisfying about reading a moment in a comic where you're like yeah that really feels like what it's describing it sounds so arbitrary to have like a really positive response but like i still sometimes read comics and like they draw a character getting out of bed in the morning and i'm like yeah that's exactly what it feels like to get out of bed in the morning and i just I just love that. I just love that these little drawings can connect to real feelings and real experiences. I think it's so cool. And it's unique because I stopped. Like there were there were moments in the book where I stopped and sat with it, you know, whereas if you're watching a movie, it kind of goes at its own pace and everything else. Right. So um yeah, just absolutely incredible. And now I get it. Now I get what the Eisners are about. I I, I see it, Tilly. <laughs> I, I see the skills. Thank you. <laughs> Bat Batman doesn't need every nomination, Sean. You know what? I don't even know how many Batman has ever gotten. Uh, fair, fair, yeah. Oh, I believe you. I don't know. There are Def some pretty good Batman. Definitely more than one. Yeah, it has to be. Too, too, too many years we've been getting Batman books. Uh, uh, there, there, sorry, there, there's a moment um, in the book, um, I'm not straying too far from the emotional bits, but um, where you you sort of catalog your growing interest in cartooning and comics. Um, and there's a moment where you're speaking to your music teacher um, and she asks you, you know, about the future college. And you mentioned when referenced the, uh, referencing art, uh, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel this huge passion. It's just when I started drawing, I want to finish it. Do you still feel that way about art and has your relationship to art changed? How has your relationship to art changed from that inception to where it is now? Oh, it definitely grew into a passion, but I think that I, I always felt really different from kids who were like from day one, they're out of the womb and like, there's a pen in their hand and they're just like, they're obsessed with drawing. My wife is a cartoonist and she's one of those where she just like 
her whole childhood was like filling sketchbooks. And that wasn't me. I never felt like, I never felt this intense drive to draw. And I also felt like there were just always kids who were better at it than me. So like, why should I even do this? Um, and when I did start drawing comics, which was entirely because I took a class with Scott McLeod and, and Scott was like, keep drawing. And I was like, okay. Um, I was a teenager and I started drawing comics. And at first it was just like, it was just simple. It was like, I started it and it was like, I want to finish this drawing. And then a few years later, I think when I was at comic school, I went to comic school just because I liked drawing comics. I don't think I loved it, but I was like, I like this. And I, I don't want to go to college. That sounds, that sounds like not fun. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I didn't do that. I still have yet to go to college. Um, but when I was in comic school, it became a love and it really became a passion. Um, and I got obsessed. I was like, I, I want to do this forever. And then the next change was it became my job, which is totally different from it being your passion. It's, I'm still very passionate about it, but it's like, I also clock in and clock out with comics, like regardless of how I feel about the medium today, after this is over, I'm going to go work on my book because I have to go work on my book. Um, but I still, I have, I think, especially because I've made so many comics at this point, comics are like a very familiar and loving place for me to be. Like, it's very comfortable for me to work on comics. I feel very safe when I work on comics and every now and then my like love and passion just kind of like bubbles to the surface. Usually when I feel like I do something really exciting, there was like one moment I drew in Clementine book two, where I was like, yes, this is it. This is why I do this. And then there were a lot of moments when I was working on Clementine where I was like, I just got to draw some lines today. <laughs> That's going to be fun. I wish I didn't have to draw lines today, but I have to draw lines today. Um, so yeah, that was the trajectory. It was like, it was an interest and then it was a passion and now it's a job. And I tell my students all the time that if you want a career in comics, you have to consider how it's going to change your relationship to this medium and this mm. practice, because it will go from being something like secret and beautiful that you do in your bedroom to something you get paid to do and something you have to do and something you're obligated to do. And I think you can still have comics as your job and as a career and, and feel so much love for it and passion for it, but it will always be different. Um, when I made comics, when I was in school, when no one was paying attention and I did it purely because I, I loved it and I thought it was really fun. Like that's such a different sensation. Um, and I think there's this big push for people to turn their creative pursuits into their job. And I think for some people that is absolutely what they should do. And I, but I don't think that's for everybody. For some people, it should just be their creative pursuit on the side. And it, it does nothing but, but give them like joy and freedom because when it becomes your job, there's, there's constraint and there's obligation. And also then it's tied to like paying your mortgage. And that's weird, you know? <laughs> I was like, I got to go draw these pretty pictures today because I really want to keep our house. And I also really want to buy this expensive crib. Um, but then you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to buy this expensive crib. Let's go draw Clementine. <laughs> this line paid for the crib. Exactly. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm making a living. So so with Spinning, that's kind of your your memoir, your autobiographical. Um you also did work for junior high, which is yes. somebody else's sort of like pseudobiography with uh, mm -hmm. Tegan and Sarah's. What's the difference between that? 
you know, you're, you're going from drawing your own lived experiences to someone else's really, even though it's not yeah. really when they grew up, it's more modernized version of that, but still, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it still is like, I made these books. Well, I've made one. I'm working on the second one. Um, <laughs> two books with Tegan and Sarah, these Canadian queer pop duo, they're twins. And this is books about their experience in middle school that is lightly fictionalized. But like you said, it's, yeah. it's all the feelings and, and most of the experiences are real. Um, it is night and day. It is so relaxing to work on my books with Tegan and Sarah. I don't have to think about anything. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just drawing comics. I have watched, I think I watched all of the Sopranos while working on junior high book one. I was really just thinking about the Sopranos as I was working. I was like, oh, Tony, don't do it. No, Tony. <laughs> while I'm just like drawing these cute little kids and like talking to their mom. Um, it is so freeing and relaxing to work on those books because I don't have the emotional baggage of being connected to it. Instead, my only goal is to try to take their experience and show it as like authentically and as sort of in like the most fun way I can because they're very cartoony books. They're very sweet books. Um, and so I feel like I'm doing... I'm doing sort of the easy part of my job, which is just like make good comics, just like like make the pacing good, make it make it beautiful, make the characters feel sweet and charming, add some humor in there. But there's no like dark secret core where I'm like, I'm revealing something about myself. Um, working on junior high has been the easiest book experience of my entire life. It was just like, and it helps that Tegan and Sarah are so also so chill and so nice that they sent me a script and being the cartoonist I am, I'm like, mm, there's too much dialogue here. Like I have to change the pacing of this. This chapter doesn't work. Let me, let me fiddle. Like we've like, it's, it's been brought up before. I tend to change things. Um, and they were so fine with that. They were like, cool. make it great. That sounds great. Do it. Go for it. Um, they really trusted me. So it helps that we have a really great working relationship where they're letting me be a cartoonist. They didn't hire me to be an illustrator. They didn't hire me to just one-to-one -one illustrate their words. That's a different job. They hired me to pace out and design and compose a comic version of their story. And that's, that's what I want to do. Like that's, and that's what I love to do. And it's what I've spent all these years doing. So it's been great. I mean, I haven't cried once working on junior high. I cried a lot working on spinning. Great. No tears. No yeah. tears whatsoever. Tegan and Sarah is not something that's coming up in therapy. So that's that's good. Yeah. No, no. Only only positively. They're just like, ah, <laughs> they're so sweet. They got me like a little like baby carrier because Sarah just had, had a baby oh, recently. So, cool. so whenever I talk with them, too, we don't even talk about the books. Sarah's just like, did you get the diaper pail yet? <laughs> oh, shit. I haven't gotten it yet. Cool. Was there some like bonding over the fact that you're twins? Like Yes, a lot of bonding. And I, a lot of the, the whole concept for there being like sections in the book where it's like this internal twin space. Um, that was, that was my idea that was totally inspired by my relationship with my twin brother. Um, Tegan and Sarah didn't actually write that in. Um, yeah. So we talk, but we talk a lot about the difference between I'm a fraternal twin and they're identical and that's really different. Um, so we talk about that difference, but we also, yeah, we we really bond over over being twins and the intensity of a, a relationship with a twin. 
I have I have uh, twins in my life. They're friends mm-hmm. of mine, and mm-hmm. they're paternal twins. And you talk about intensity, like it's unbelievable. And I can tell that oh, yeah. sometimes they're looking at each other and they know exactly what they're thinking. They're having a conversation that I'm not in. Oh yeah. And, the weird. the use in junior high of uh, Tegan and Sarah are when, when drawn uh, together, they are sometimes blue and red to dif- delineate, but then a lot of the book is purple as well. Um, is, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's your decision on that? Just to That was my call, yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know, when, they, when everyone, when this book came together, it wasn't Tegan and Sarah asking me directly. Um, it was like publishers trying sure. to kind of link us up. Um, and then we we did eventually start talking, but I don't know if they were envisioning like a classically colored middle grade graphic novel with like, you know, 10 colors and shading. I don't know. But when I made the sample art, I was like, I don't want to do that for all the reasons that have come up previously. Um, and I picked purple because it's like, it's my safe zone. Spinning was purple. Yep. I love this part was purple. I'm like, I know purple. I got purple. I can do purple. Um and originally the whole book was just going to be purple. And it wasn't until um, I started inserting these like inner twin sequences where I was like, something I talk a lot about with Tegan and Sarah is how hard it is for them to be individuals, yeah. um, both with each other and in the world as identical twins. And I was like, oh, so this is my chance to make them be individuals by giving them their own colors. But I did not even ask them like, what's your favorite color? I was just like, you're blue, you're red, it's done. I was like, we gotta move, we gotta get this book out. <laughs> Cause I was working on junior high while I was also working on Clementine. So there was, there was quite a push to get wow. both books done. And now I'm doing the same thing where I'm working on Clementine book three and junior high book two. Um, the baby's going to interrupt all of that, but we're not going to worry about it. We're just going to just going to keep drawing every day and see what happens. I can't imagine. I can't imagine listening to Tegan and Sarah while trying to be in like a Walking Dead space. Like those are two wildly different. It's different. Yeah. Oh man, it's yeah. really, really. I really had to like. I had to have like a Tegan and Sarah week, where sure. it was like, I am Canadian. I am a child. <laughs> I am happy. Yep. And no one is trying to eat me. And then I'd have like a Clementine week where I was like, danger is around the corner. Like there is no water. There is no food. Good luck. When you when you became Canadian, did you binge Degrassi? <laughs> oh, my God, I should have. You're right. Yes. Now I know what I'm doing today, Sean. I'm going <laughs> to turn on Degrassi and work on junior high book two. Or see whatever how Drake's doing. Called. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my Sean, goodness. were you a Degrassi yeah. guy, Sean? I love Degrassi. Yeah, yeah, Degrassi, yeah. Dawson's Creek, Buffy. You know me. Oh, oh, all such about good it. stuff. Yes, right. Big, big Buffy person over here. Oh yeah, we Listen, talk about Buffy all the time. We could, yeah. we could do a whole podcast about Buffy. Buffy's been a part of my good. life since I was five, six. Wow. We, we oh my god. Also, oh, but then your perspective on it must have really changed as you got older too. Oh my god! Every time I rewatch it, yeah. I have a different perspective, and yes. it's almost like I look at it as an adult. But then there's also a part of me that becomes a kid again. It's kind of weird. Totally. It's we, we talked about it on the our most previous episode where it's like where it's like a lot of the modern writers that are like right around our same age area, the blueprint of like Buffy is in a lot of it. Um and like as a Buffy fan, it's like, oh, I see it. You know, I can see that and I can appreciate that. So yeah. It's great to see like I that that's think- like a pop culture cornerstone nowadays. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I, I always cultivate these like paternal relationships with older men. And I'm just like, I just want a Giles. <laughs> I just want like, I want a librarian to like, tell me what to do today. Absolutely. Oh Giles God. was my, Giles was my dad. Like he was all of our dads. Yep. I was a big Absolutely. I was a big Anya fan, but let's not uh, analyze that one. So let's, oh wow, uh, <laughs> well, we could unpack that. That's yeah. curious. Yeah. I want to know. No, so so knowing Tyler, yeah, that's not even a remote surprise. <laughs> I'm that that makes so a, much sense. That's a self report. Wow. Oh no. Oh my God! Of course you would love Anya. All right. Next question. No, Are wait, you I'm a not Xander? I'm not Do you feel like a Xander? Oh, <laughs> we can't even begin to talk oh, about boy. Xander right now. That's, <laughs> Xander could have his own thesis entirely. Yeah, really. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, because now now I'm trying to get on my Buffy. So clearly that that yeah, we just got to make a third a whole... show, Sean. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll get right on that. Um, Tilly. Yes. Before we let you go, uh, I just wanted to ask you because obviously you. You operate in a, in a in a space in comics that's sort of your own. You've you've curated your own space and you're doing your own thing. And this connection with Tegan and Sarah, um, just like Clementine, is another branch out for you. Yeah. Um, do you foresee yourself ever branching out even further, doing something a little closer to mainstream? Is that do you feel like you're heading there, or is that not something that you're actually interested in? I think I'll do it someday. I don't think I'll do it after this kind of Clementine, Tegan, and Sarah era of of my comics career. I think after these books are done, I'm going to, I want to go back to original graphic novels for a little while. And I have, I want to collaborate with my wife. We, we did a picture book together. And it turns out when you share the work in a comic, it's not, so much easier. <laughs> um, so I have like a, a couple different things that I'd really like to do in kind of the next five years. But after that, I don't know, maybe once little man is in elementary school, everything's like calming down a little bit. I could see myself um, taking on some more mainstream work or like a more mainstream property, DC, Marvel, see what happens. Um, Cause I'll never say never, because if you had asked me, you know, 10 years, not 10 years ago, five years ago, if I was going to ever do The Walking Dead, I would be like, why would they want to ever work with me? But but here we are. So you never know. And I think it would be a really fascinating challenge to work, to work in these, in, in like this legacy of comics that is so integral, you know, to like what this industry is right now. So maybe someday, not just yet, but maybe someday. Heard it here first. Tilly on Batman. <laughs> Batman is now gay. Well, we can we can unpack that too. Exciting. Sorry, um, everybody. <laughs> I mean, please, we could all throw out characters. A lot of Marvel would be cool. Like, there's a lot of yeah. No, there's there's super there's super cool stuff out there. And I have a friend, Robin Brooks Smith, who's been working on Nubia um, with yeah. DC, and and that's been a really cool experience for her. And so I, I sometimes we're drawing next to each other, and I look over and at like at Nubia, and she like looks over at Clementine, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're doing it, we're doing it. That's cool. So we actually uh, wanted to do a giveaway of Ooh. Clementine because you know the next book is is on the horizon; it's coming out in October. <laughs> so people should get ready by reading Clementine Book One, 
And so uh, I'm going to announce the winner alongside their question. So we had people submit questions for you. And uh, we got one from Joel Justice, who is, of course, a member of our Patreon. And Joel wanted to ask you a very similar question, uh, which was, what stories would Tilly want to make either superhero or creator-owned? Ooh, I would love... First of all, thank you, Joel Justice, for a great question. Um, I would love to do something about, like, Robin. I would love to talk about, like, the sidekick. I would love to talk about, like, the, the characters in the shadows. I also grew up watching Teen Titans, so it wouldn't be hard also for me to get very invested in making comics about Teen Titans. Ooh, or Super story. Mutant Ninja Turtles, also a big one in my youth. I feel like I could try and draw a turtle. I think the turtle would still end <laughs> up looking like really sensitive and feminine, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. those, those early Ninja Turtle comics were black and white. You can have fun there again. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I think those are those are a couple different avenues I would I would be down to walk down. I don't think I would want to do like Wonder Woman or or anyone to too big. I'd want to want to talk about the side characters. Book it. Tilly Walden on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. It's funny you mentioned that as Sean is currently reading Teen Titans and, uh, oh, you yeah, know, right. kind of getting yeah. into that whole Robin thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so thank you, Joel. Appreciate you. You will have a copy of uh, Clementine Book One headed your yeah. way. Hand delivered by Marco. <laughs> Everybody's always trying to get Marco to go to their house. It's it's unbelievable. I'll make uh, it. <laughs> it is kind of worrying. Do it, Marco. Yeah. Do it. All right, Tilly. We're gonna let you go. It's been such a blast. Uh, thank you so so much for joining us. Thank you all. This was wonderful. Is there anything that you want to uh, leave the audience with? Any kind of like plug? Anything you want to say? There's Where just so many you? good comics out there. Don't 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 hide if you see something online that looks really cool i would just say get it you know support creators wherever you can buy from their stores look indie and look beyond america there's just there's just great comics out there right now is there something that you're reading right now or, or uh you want to be reading oh my god i mean i'm not actually reading this this is just sort of it be, it's called a shisaku nonsense book it's just a drawing of nonsense from all these um i think some of them are manga creators but that's not really a recommendation because this is a really old book but if you want to just look at nonsense drawings you can just google nonsense books um but graphic novel wise i just read hidden systems by dan knott which was excellent it's a non-fiction graphic novel about how the internet, electricity, and water work. And I left it feeling so smart. The fact that I now understand that the internet is not in the sky, it's in tubes in the ocean, couldn't believe it. Um, and any other books? No, that Hidden Systems is what comes to mind. That's a great one. It's cool. really, it's like he made, he made learning fun, which is so cheesy, but he did make, Dan not made learning fun. This is cool. Hey, listen, now, I, I mean, you can make a comic about anything. And I think that's really, that's cool as hell. I know. Um, I love it. Comics yeah. are for everything. Comics are for everything and comics are for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think Tilly Walden's comics, they're for everyone. So oh, thank you, Sean. go buy them. Thank you so much, Tilly. 
We will hopefully speak to you again soon. Uh, live audience, we'll be back. We're just going to say goodbye to Tilly off mic, and uh, we'll see you in a moment. Perfect. back uh that was a lot of fun um one of the things that i am most appreciative of whenever we get to speak to creators is candidness like mm -hmm. i really 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 respect uh creators who are willing to come on the show and speak openly and honestly about you know life their work etc and uh tilly did all that i thought that was that was fantastic from top to bottom a lot of fun talking yeah. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I learned, right, is like, give shit a chance, you know? Um, yes. I'm yes. so grateful to this podcast because, you know, doing this, we try to have, you know, different kinds of guests on. And a lot of the time I come away from it um, having read something that I definitely wouldn't have read otherwise. And it opens me up. 
So I'm really, really glad that we did this one. And, I mean, uh, as as Abba once said, take a chance, take a chance, take a take a chance, chance. Just on comic books in this regard. Yeah. Sorry, I was listening to a lot of Abba again yesterday. I can't help it. And considering the the caliber of creator as well, like if you're gonna jump in with a to somebody's work, cannot be a better person. But like, I'm guilty of it. You know, I read I read me a lot of Spider-Man. I read me a lot of Avengers, but like, you know, check out fucking Fantagraphics. Check out for a second, you know? Yeah. They're like this, this Dan not, um, hidden, hidden systems. Like look at the penguin random mouse pu- publication, but like that's still a comic book. It looks cool. Dude. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to know about it. water tubes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I love comics. This reinvigorated my love for comics because comics is just so much. Like, it's so big. And books like um, Spinning, you know, they don't remind me of it because I wasn't around back then. But it harkens back to, you know, like the old days of comics with an X, underground comics, mm-hmm. where, you know, you had Marvel and DC were all there was in terms of, like, you know, people's headspace. But you also had a lot of stuff that was underground. People just telling, making comics about their life. You know, making comics about what they've been through with no connection to the wider industry at large whatsoever. Were you guys ever forced to do uh, extracurriculars you didn't want to do? Mm, not that I didn't want to do. I, I uh, you probably you'd soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did baseball. Um, I never really cared for baseball, but mm. yeah. my my one and only example of that, and this is something that man, uh, there are people in my life who might listen to this and not know that this is true, but um. I actually, this is crazy Ooh, to admit. Sean I, drop. Here we go. I took a ballet class. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I, huh. but I, I couldn't do it because they chose me to, they, they came to the class, like fifth, fourth grade, third grade, whatever it was. They were looking for people who had feet that um, <laughs> had ar- an arch in it, you know, people that weren't flat footed. And if you weren't flat-footed, you could try for ballet. You could do the class. And I'm not flat-footed. So um, I remember being like, I don't want to do this. But I did it anyway. One class. And I was so freaked out by it. Because I, I wasn't comfortable like, being vulnerable like that. I wasn't comfortable like, moving around that way in front of people. Um, and I was just like, I'm, not, I'm never going to do that again. Mm. Wow. I like yeah. dance class. Man, the 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 frequent uh, patch updates and lore drops for Sean. <laughs> the Very patch interesting. updates, not the patch updates. What you don't know about me could fill a 400-page book. I need your spinning, Sean. I need you to, yeah. to, to, for all I know, you're a cartoonist on the side. You just have never told us. <laughs> it would be, well, my, okay, so if I had to write or, you know, create a book similar to spinning, it would be called cool. Purgatory. That's what I thought it would be called sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the raid leader slash uh, podcaster uh, version, yeah. Oh, my God. Forget it. Um, <laughs> but I did actually want to show off something that I just received. So if you guys could vamp for like five seconds. Oh, what was it? What, 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 uh, Marco, how's your day going? Great interview, uh, uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, I love when a, a creator 
can speak so intelligently about comics. Hell yeah. So uh, I wanted to shout out Humanoids because they actually just sent me. I got this literally yesterday. This is um, this is Eight Limbs by Stephanie Phillips. Oh, Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that was my same reaction. Uh, Giulia Lali. (gasps) Guillaume? Yeah, I guess maybe. Wait, I don't wait, know. Let me see the name. Um, they're an Italian, they're an Italian uh, comics creator. I don't know if you can see. Oh, Giulia Lali. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. right. And Lee Lowridge. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So really awesome creative team. It looks great in physical. Um, humanoids. You know, huge shout out to them for sending this my way. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into it. These are the interiors. Uh, if you're watching us. Um, the the interior art is is Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, I think it looks amazing, um, and it looks like it's about women who are in MMA. Wow. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's about. Damn. So. You said MMA, and my dumb Lady Gaga ass just went ma 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 ma. Yeah, so I can't wait to dive into this. Uh, like I said, huge shout out to Humanoids. They're doing some great work. So you know, you talk about supporting, um, you know different kinds of books, different kinds of stories. Well, there's a different kind of story, but it's by creators that you're probably familiar with. So um, definitely worth yeah. uh, a pickup. I got to snag that uh, that Bella Lugosi book from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You're welcome to. Um, we don't have news planned. We're not going to do all that today. We wanted to focus to be on Tilly Walden. Um, I noticed that, you know, a lot less people showed up live for this one. That's okay. You know, I understand, you know, when we're talking about Spider-Man and stuff, that's the that's the meat. I get that. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we want to not just do shows where interviewing creators that everyone knows or talking about things that everyone knows. I think part of doing this and part of what's cool is getting to expose you all to things that you might not know about and in turn exposing ourselves. Um, that's what happened to me through this. So thank you to everybody that listened. We appreciate you all. Uh, you guys are rock stars. If you learned something from this interview, if it impacted you in any way, um, if you go out and buy Clementine or Spinning or on a Sunbeam or anything else that Tilly has done, uh, please let us know. We would love to hear that. And um, yeah. that's, that's why we do this. Yeah, And, and next week, catch our interview with Hirsch, where we talk about uh, his creation, Tintin, um, <laughs> and the history. No. He's dead. I, I just looked that. it up. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right yes yes you were very late jose but it's okay that's all right um the good thing about this is that we do it live but you can listen to it whenever you want listen um, back exactly that's the whole idea so uh we're gonna do the plugs and jump marco thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the comics pals this one with uh a creator i was so excited to have on the show um you were love his work <laughs> sorry you were fanboying when we uh, I, I, the, yeah. this, this past week. Yeah. Very, very much so. Uh, I, I've been following Tilly for a while now, and uh, to see the trajectory and to see the growth, and then, and then she's right there, and she's like, ah! It was, uh, it was an awesome experience, and um, I think, to Sean's point, one of the, the things that I love about this show is when we get to talk the sort of mechanics of comics and, and the the... Uh, how, the construction and um, that sort of breakdown is fascinating to me. So thank you again to, to Chile for coming on the show. Um, 
go read all of their work. There's so much out there, so much just that's just worth it um, to go pick up and take a chance on. Uh, otherwise, you can find me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I might go finish reading some more Tilly stuff, honestly. Keep working on the back catalog. Um, Tyler. Oh, yeah, I got to do this, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, blah, 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 blah. you could follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I wanted to say something. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm going to go get a Grimace shake after this, I think. Wash money in the bank. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. L.A. Knight, come on. EO Sky, come on. That's, that's what there I There you go. There you go. Um, I'm going to plug us because I didn't do that before. Um, oh. <laughs> of course, you know, we're the Comics Pals. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. We love doing interviews. We love having creators on the show. So if you're into that, there are plenty of ways that you can let us know and support. Something as simple as leaving a like on the video if you're watching this on YouTube or leaving us a rating and a review on a podcast hosting platform. That's huge. Sharing with your friends is huge. Patreon.com slash the Comics Pals is the best way to support the show. Uh, you guys know the drill. We like to give you bang for your buck. Um, you can vote in the listener or the book club poll. You get to listen to our exclusive show over there, Palling Around. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Our newsletter's up there. Kale had a good one this week. Um, you get a nickname and a shout out on the show, as you heard earlier on. So there's a lot of cool stuff that we're offering. So head on over and check it out if you haven't. Uh, Tokyo Ghost Book Club is out July 4th. That is this Tuesday. Um, so give that a listen. I saw a lot of people in the Discord have already picked up their copy of Tokyo Ghost in anticipation, which is super cool. Did a new hardcover just get just get released? Like the one that um, AH posted is old, actually. Gotcha. Okay. That that art is old. Actually. Although, have you been seeing the uh, the Black Science Omnibuy or, or oh, Remender's been posting about it. Oof. Yeah, I have uh, on Instagram. Yeah. I love it. I, I'm sad I already bought Black Science. Like, I don't need this new version. Like, I don't have, have it in a collection. Dude, them things, you know how expensive those <laughs> motherfuckers are? I have Black Science in singles, and I have it in, in these nice, beautiful hardcovers. The big ones, right? The deluxe hardcovers? Yeah. Yo, the yeah, Remender yeah. deluxe hardcovers are so good. Oh. Giant Generator knows how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, as for my plugs, my personal plugs, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. I'll be watching Money in the Bank. Um, <laughs> Matt. Oh, my God. Never change. Um, yeah, I'll be watching Money in the Bank and uh, crying over spinning. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll enjoy that. You guys enjoy your weekend. Happy July 4th. Thank you all so much. See you later. Love you. We're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. That feels weird coming from me. Yeah, I don't know how to do it. <laughs>